You're listening to the sermon cast of First Presbyterian Church Spartanburg. To watch the full video of this worship service and to learn more about the ministries of our church, visit us online at fpcspartanburg.org. We hope you enjoy the message. We continue today in our Lenten sermon series of the last words of Christ. And we come on this fifth Sunday to the scripture in John chapter 19. Let us listen to and for the word of the Lord. After this, when Jesus knew that all was now finished, he said in order to fulfill the scripture, I am thirsty. A jar full of sour wine was standing there. So they put a sponge full of the wine on a branch of hyssop and held it to his mouth. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. O oh, gracious God, we wait for you, and in your word we trust. By the power of your Holy Spirit, set our hearts and minds on the ultimate source of life and peace, Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Water has always been such a prominent symbol in our Christian tradition. I love that just a few moments ago, we all experienced that joyful sacrament of baptism, where we had this clear, visible reminder of the important role that water plays for us, reminding us of God's cleansing love and grace. The Book of Common Worship offers one of a prayer as one suggestion for the prayer of thanksgiving during a baptism, where it says, we give you thanks, eternal God, for you nourish and sustain all living things by the gift of water. In the beginning of time, your spirit moved over the watery chaos, calling forth order and life. In the time of Noah, you destroyed evil by the waters of the flood, giving righteousness a new beginning. You led Israel out of slavery through the waters of the sea into the freedom of the promised land. In the waters of the Jordan, Jesus was baptized by John and anointed with your spirit. We hear in this prayer the words nourish, sustain, order, life, new beginning, rebirth, freedom. We remember just how powerful that water is for our Christian story. And then in contrast to these life-giving qualities of water, we arrive at the fifth word from Jesus as we get one step closer to his death on the cross. I am thirsty. We've been studying the Gospel of John since September in the Abide Sunday School class this year. And one thing that comes up over and over again is how the Gospel of John places a strong emphasis on Jesus' divinity, more so than any of the other three Gospels. Yet here, at this point on the cross, we see a glimpse of Jesus' humanity. I am thirsty, he says, or in some translations, I thirst. John is actually the only gospel where Jesus is recorded saying those words. 
And so even in this gospel, which highlights Jesus's divinity, we have this reminder that Jesus knows what it's like to experience a fundamental human need, and that he understands what distress feels like in those final moments before his life and vitality completely dry up. Alan mentioned last week that the fourth word of this series, abandonment, would be the most difficult. But honestly, this week's word distress isn't a whole lot easier. Imagine the raspy cry of Jesus, who can barely utter the words, I am thirsty, so that he can get just enough sour wine in order to wet his lips and declare, it is finished. Hearing Jesus' words almost creates this bodily response for me because I think that all of us, to some extent, know how all-consuming feeling thirsty can be. The body is over 60% water, and even being 1% dehydrated can lead to unpleasant symptoms. First, you'll notice a dry throat and mouth Without enough water, you'll start to feel fatigued or maybe even get a mild headache. It can start to affect your mood and your mental state, making it difficult to focus. The less water that you have in your body, the thicker and more concentrated your blood gets, which makes your entire cardiovascular system have to work harder. Lack of water can lead to exhaustion or maybe even make you pass out. Intense thirst literally causes the body physical and mental distress. If you're familiar with Maslow's hierarchy of needs, food and water are at the very base of that pyramid. And so if we don't have those basic needs met, it's almost impossible to focus on other needs that are also important, such as safety, and relationships, and self-esteem. As we heard Alan read in the Exodus account earlier, the Israelites started to fall apart and complain just from the fear of thirst. It threatened their sense of safety and security. A lack of water begged them to ask the question, is the Lord among us or not? We are not that far off from Jesus' cry out to God last week. These words, I thirst, show us his distress during those final moments. And once again, we can find some comfort in knowing that we are not alone in our distress because Christ himself has been there. Christ himself knows what it's like to experience thirst to feel a sense of longing, and to have an unquenched desire which only God can satisfy. I think of the times in my own life when I have felt distressed and sometimes even questioned God's presence in a situation. And yet, thankfully, in those times, I can also recall specific people in my life who came alongside me and have said, I've been there too. 
I understand what you're going through. Or at least have said, I can't imagine what that's like, but I will be here by your side through this. These people were beacons of light and love, giving me the nourishment that I needed to sustain me when I felt spiritually and emotionally dry. They were the ones who were being Christ to me by reminding me that I was not alone, even in my deepest moments of distress and anguish. Jesus' thirst shows us that he knew what distress felt like. And in addition to that emotion, Jesus' thirst also indicates that he had a sense of longing and desire. Here we find Jesus in the last moments of his life, and he knows that these are the final moments. He knows that his reunion with the Father is imminent, and that only God can truly quench that, that longing, that thirst. In our moments of deep distress, isn't that when our desire for God's presence feels the strongest? For the Israelites in the wilderness, God uses Moses to strike the rock and provide them with water, reminding them that they have not been forgotten. And then hundreds of years later, God sends his only son to bridge that gap of brokenness between God and humanity, quenching our desire for God's unconditional love and grace. Throughout the scriptures, we see examples of where God brings life in the midst of thirst and distress, bitterness, and even death. That life and hope spring forth in the most seemingly hopeless of situations. With God, these times of distress can be transformed into moments of hope and resilience. Hopefully, some of you have noticed that throughout Lent, our bulletin covers have displayed different images of crosses, which fits our theme of why the cross matters. And so the photo on your bulletin cover this morning, you're allowed to get it out and look at it. Hear the rustling of the paper. This photo is one that I took in Spain in 2008. And this cross is at Montserrat, Monastery, which is about an hour outside of Barcelona. And it sits atop of this beautiful mountain and it overlooks the entire region of Catalonia. The significance of this site as a holy landmark goes back as far as 880 AD. And the monastery itself has been there for almost a thousand years in 1025. And yet it has quite a tumultuous history. In both 1811 and in 1812, the Abbey of Montserrat burned down twice. And then later in its history, it was ravaged by Napoleon's troops. Then during the Spanish Civil War, the monks were forced to leave the monastery and at least 23 of them were killed. During a period of time when the government was requiring everyone in the region to only use the Spanish language, 
The masses at Montserrat were still held in Catalan, their local dialect, putting them at risk of persecution. Yet throughout this history of distressing events, that cross still stands. And today this monastery is home to over 70 monks and has been the destination of holy pilgrimages for thousands of people every year. That cross at the top of the mountain serves as a symbol that even in distress, God is present and that God has a power, the power to lead us through. The other visual reminder of hope from distress that I wanted to share with you this morning is hanging from my neck. Several of you have complimented this stole during this Lenten season. And in addition to being a beautiful stole, it also has a powerful story. It was hand sewn in Kenya by women who come from areas torn apart by war and conflict. And so I want to read you their story that is found on their website. The company's name is Amani Yaju. Amani Yaju, which means peace from above in Swahili, is an example of how the power of peace, Christ's peace, can transform broken lives into ones of celebration and hope. The story of Amani itself reflects what can happen when God's peace truly takes root in hearts. From small beginnings of a few women to a network of diverse centers and cultures, their story bears witness to the power of peace. In 1996, after fleeing the civil war in Liberia with her husband and four daughters, American missionary Becky Chinchen found herself in Kenya among other refugee women. It was from her own experience as a refugee that her vision of working with marginalized women emerged. She saw the need to affirm the dignity and worth of those around her. So along with Magdalene from Mozambique and Lucy and Veronica, both from the Sudan, the company Amani Yaju, Peace From Above, was established. Each of the ladies began their journey with Amani having been broken and devastated by the horrors of civil conflict. They shared a common need of healing, a restored vision, and a renewed energy to live again. And while they came with needs, they also came with gifts. They brought together their skills of stitching, a love of African textiles, an eye for beauty, and a passion for peace. And the convergence of their talents, needs, and desires brought Amani Yaju to life. With a personal loan of $500, they began making placements, placemats in Becky's home in Nairobi and selling them at hotels, events, and local shops. Through the blend of ministry and business, Amani Yaju emerged as a holistic economic enterprise. The women at Amani Yaju experience God's peace and the profound difference it makes in their lives. The seeds of peace that were first sown in the Nairobi Center have continued to spread and multiply. As women return to their home countries or to their new homelands, 
They take Amani with them. And today, a presence of peace has been established in numerous cities, countries, and communities, wherever women with a vision of peace have gone. Throughout this Lenten season, this stole carries with it the reminder of that powerful story of how healing and restoration can break through even in the most distressing and broken situations. These women were thirsty, thirsty for God's peace and love to be stronger than the destruction that they saw all around them. And in turn, God placed in them a desire to create something life-changing. What a beautiful image of how light can shine even in the darkest of circumstances. Susan Oldham sent me this beautiful scripture passage this week in preparation for this sermon, where the prophet Isaiah declares to a people who have been wandering in exile for years, Isaiah 58.10 says that the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your needs in parched places and make your bones strong. And you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters never fail. When we are in distress, do we remember who promises to satisfy our needs? Who or what do we rely on to quench our thirst? In the final moments of Jesus's life, we see his distress and we remember that he can empathize with us in our pain and suffering. The good news is that Jesus's connection to us doesn't end there. As we look ahead to Easter, We know that Jesus carries us from distress to hope. We know that God's presence is what quenches our thirst. In our darkest and most desperate moments, we trust that this isn't where the story ends. May we look to the cross and remember that it holds not only pain, but also a promise. May it be so. Thanks be to God. Amen.